Can you believe that was just a few months ago, and look how far we've come. We're so excited about uh, what God's done here. Uh, we've been kind of jammed with seating, so if, if anybody's listening to me on the monitors out in the, uh, the atrium, there, there are seats actually right down front to my left. If you want to come down, you're welcome to come on in. But uh, we're, we're glad that you're here at Grace. Thanks for coming. We're, we're really pumped about this new building we're using today as sort of just a day where we focus on what's happened, how God's blessed us. Uh, in just a moment, we have a time-lapse video uh, that we're going to show you kind of the project uh, that you've been watching for months. Some of you have been able to see that, some not. We'll just put that all together. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and roll that. This is what it looks like, time-lapse. While we're doing that, I just want to... KF Ventures, they, they ran our project, did a great job. We're about 99.5% done, just a little bit more. Uh, but also people who worked on that was uh, Peterman Architectural Services. I hear Tim is in the house somewhere. Um, also Goshi Sheet Metal Works, Bowers Heating and Cooling, uh, Walcher and Fox uh, did our engineering of our building, Firelands Fabrications, Raise the Steel, uh, Bromac Electric, uh, did our electric on the whole project and actually I think each one of our building projects. JB Roofing, uh, Gunlack, Sheet Metal Works, they did the HVAC and all that. Uh, Janata and Herner put the uh, balcony in, five angle construction. Uh, they did the framing and the drywall. Precision paving took care of the parking lot. Uh, Hermes Parker did the concrete, corner store and custom cabinets. Uh, did the cabinets, countertops, all state fire protection took care of our sprinkler systems, and then Habitech put in our fire alarms, sound solutions uh, put in our sound and all that, Smith painting and wallpapering uh, were involved, commercial glazing systems did our glass work, Tri-State Industrial Floors did the uh, concrete finishing on our gyms, and Stefani Carpet uh, did our uh, tile and the carpeted areas, and uh, then we ended up with what we have uh, today. Isn't that cool? What we'd like to do is we would like everyone uh, that was involved with one of these subcontractors or people who did our inspections like the fire department, if you're here, we would like you to stand right now or even if you're a volunteer and you did something for our project, let's stand up right now so we can uh, just show you our appreciation. Thanks for being here. Let's stand together. Thank you so much. It's, uh, we're so pumped about the new space. I don't know. The reason that we built is we had our teens. Uh, the teen ministry was just kind of growing and, and popping out the roof. And, and then also we have a children's ministry. And they were kind of ended up competing for space. And it, it was just so crowded over there. Now with the teens uh, separated over here, then children's gets to expand over there. We actually pick up a few adult rooms that we need as well and all kind of works. But here's what's happening with our team ministry. Just in the last few weeks that we've been able to occupy our space, here's kind of what, it, what it's been looking like.
kind of a little taste. We are, we are serious about impacting students, teenagers, and, and we know a lot of you are too. As a matter of fact, if you're involved in the school system or you work with teens in our church or children, would you just raise your hand so we can see you? We have a lot of people here, and we just want you to know, if, if, even if you don't go to Grace, if you're from our school system and just came as a result of our invite, we want you to know that we support your efforts to impact uh, the students of our area in a, in a positive way, and we're, we're really excited about that happening. We're beginning a brand new series today called Ideal Family, and, and as we do that, we understand that the ideal is not always, is kind of in competition with the real that we experience every day. Here's what I'm talking about. playoffs, but can I talk to you for a moment? Sure, yeah. Um, I feel like the amount of time that you have spent watching football has been detrimental to the amount of quality interaction time that we have with our children. Okay. It's just, it makes the kids and I feel kind of, um... Unwanted. Yes, exactly. I had... No idea that my actions were causing you to feel this way. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. I sincerely apologize for my selfishness, and I humbly ask for your forgiveness. I forgive you. I'll grab the kids. Let's do some arts and crafts. Catch the ball! Yet there's a difference between the ideal and the real. We understand it. It's funny because sometimes when, you're, when you get into a family series at church, a lot of times people know it covers marriage and, you know, family, the whole nine yards. And so a lot of times you'll see ladies, you know, that are like all giddy the first day. I got him to come. I got him to come. Whoa, he's coming. He's here. He's here. He came. He came. He came. And then you have, see a lot of men doing this. Oh, what am I doing here? You know, what's... Let me just, for you guys, let me say this. Uh, this is not a let's beat up on the men because they're not women kind of a seminar, right? That's not what we're, we're doing here. It's kind of funny. We talk about the ideal. A lot of times you ask women what, what the ideal man is, and you look at that description, and it looks like another woman. You know, that, so we get that, that there's, there's differences. We're, we're going to kind of work through that. And there's a lot of diverse family situations represented in the room. And, and basically, what I'm talking about today will just be an introduction uh, to this topic, ideal family. And so where do we go for the ideal? Well, first of all, we need to understand that Jesus Christ brought us the ideal for family. That's what he and his disciples taught us in the first century. And I know a lot of times when we say that, people are like, okay, well, a lot of that stuff that you read in the Bible, you know, in the New Testament that came from the first century, I mean, that's when it was written there. 
I mean, a lot of that stuff is, is sort of counterculture. It doesn't seem to fit today. It doesn't seem to be relevant. It's not really where we're at. Well, it is countercultural, but one thing I think a, a lot of people forget is that it was countercultural in the first century as well. As a matter of fact, it's countercultural in every culture. It's God's standard. And we need to kind of wrap our minds around that and, and kind of get that. Think about the first century when Paul was introducing this teaching to the Greek and Roman cultures in the first century. When he did that, it was this was new and revolutionary to them. They had never heard anything like this, this teaching of Jesus. As a matter of fact, you know, they, they were completely different. You might know that back in ancient times, first century and before, very patriarchal. Uh, women, a lot of times, were viewed hardly more than just property. People didn't get to even hardly pick who they married. Usually that was arranged for them when they were young. And uh, children didn't even receive names at birth. Usually it was later, maybe a year or two later, until they realized whether they're going to survive or not. And if children were unwanted, they were simply put out on the street and left to die of exposure. And that happened off. That was the norm of the first century world. And when Jesus introduced this teaching and his disciples then gave it to us also and it started spreading around the Mediterranean world, it changed everything. As a matter of fact, we can still see today that every culture that sort of embrace those ideals, especially women and children, have benefited. But there are, even if the culture is no longer, even if it's like post-Christian, because of that foundation, women and children benefit. And every culture, and we can see them as we look around the world today, that did not embrace those first century ideals that were promoted by Christ, in all those cultures... Women and children especially are worse off. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so as we look at this, what I'm saying is these ideals that are taught, um, they will help us to be successful in our families and our marriages and parenting. We're, through the series, we're going to talk about all of these things. Now... A lot of the values that we take as common sense today were brand new revolutionary in the first century, as I said. And so Jesus gives us this ideal standard for problem. He gives us the ideal standard. Here's the problem. He gives us the ideal, but then we realize where we're at is down here. We're living the real, right? And so that creates a gap between the ideal... That Jesus calls us to and the real that we experience. And with that gap brings tension. It's tension in our, in our lives because we realize I'm not measuring up. Now here, here's the deal. We live in a culture that hates tension. And, and that's why we do things like have sporting events where we don't keep score. Or everybody gets a trophy. That's our culture 
does not like the tension between excellence and sort of where most people are at. And so here's the temptation. What a lot of times people do is because of the gap because and, and the tension that that brings, they get rid of the ideal and they decrease it down to where they're at. They say, this is just the way things are today, and that's okay. That's, this is the new standard. But when you do that, when you erase the ideal, the problem is now, even though we see the ideal here and we're only here, but we're trying to get there. We've, our eyes are on the ideal, like the North Star that's guiding us to do family the right way. And when we get rid of that, then all of a sudden we... we decrease the ideal just down to where we're at, to what is real for us, then we lose that higher standard that we're even shooting for. And then what happens is all of a sudden that will keep ratcheting down lower because it will always be the result of the lowest common denominator as far as our behavior is concerned. Does that make sense? And so we lose something when we do that because we're not even trying to do what God says is best uh, when we erase the ideal. Now, here's the deal. Uh, Jesus came to teach us a better way, to give us these ideals, God's standards. He didn't come to condemn us. He actually came to save us, to help us. But surprisingly, here's what happened. People in the first century, they have God's law, the Old Testament law of God, which include civil laws, moral laws, uh, societal and ceremonial laws. So there's differences. A lot of people push toward the Bible and it's because they don't understand the difference between these laws. But let's just take as moral laws. So he, he's already given the moral laws. We already have that. Jesus comes along, and because he's here to help us, you think that he might ratchet some of these ideals of God's law down to where we are at. But actually, surprisingly, Jesus did the exact opposite. He looked at how people were, saw the ideal of God's law, and then he said, actually, God's law is higher than that. I'll give you an example. In his first sermon, called the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 27, he says this, you have heard it was said, Jesus is teaching. He says, you have heard it was said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, could you imagine when Jesus says this, he brings up a law of God, don't commit adultery. Pretty high, you know, high standard. And then a lot of the guys were like, boom, nailed it. I got it. I, I haven't done that. So I'm good on this one. But then Jesus says, but if you even lust after a woman, you've actually committed the same sin. You commit adultery in your heart. It's not the same consequences as doing it. But still, you have the same sin. And when he said that, he made every man listening to him at the time an adulterer. Maybe the women too. I can't speak for the women. I know men. It made all the men adulterers when he said, if you even lust after a woman, that's committing adultery. 
And so he didn't lower the ideal. He actually made us understand that the ideal is a little, it's higher than we even thought that it was. That's what happened. And that brought even more tension because people started realizing the gap between the real and the ideal is even higher than I thought it would be. So that's what they're dealing with. And, and they know that that gap's a reality even when they're trying to pursue God's ideal. Not everybody's trying to do that. But even those who are trying to do things God's way, they recognize there's still a gap. Well, I'll give you an example. Jesus used a, kind of a basic principle. It's really the foundation for the family that Jesus taught, and he pulled it from the Old Testament, and he said, this is the basic building block of the family. This is the foundation. And here's how it goes. It's Genesis 2, 24. He says this. Jesus quotes this. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And it goes on to say, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. From that base point, Jesus and, and his disciples, spreading Jesus' teaching, started teaching us about the family. But now, here's the question as we get started. And it, by the way, today's just all introduction. But here's the overriding kind of question that you need to grapple with as we go through the next several weeks. Question. Are you willing... To embrace God's ideal, even though you know that you fall short. Or, because the, the other option is, you'll do the easy thing, which is you'll just ignore or reject God's ideal. And then you will substitute that with just what's real in your life. That's the easy thing. But I'm telling you, when you do that you will do damage to your family because you're not even shooting for better then. You're just stuck in what is, and that what is will just get worse and worse and worse. So that's kind of the overriding kind of premise as we talk about the ideal and the real. Are we willing to embrace that? The reason that we chuck it is because living in that tension of the gap between where we are and where God's ideal was, that tension bothers us. It's difficult. It's even countercultural. But I'm telling you, it's good for us. Now, I know that not everybody here is a follower of Jesus. We have a lot of followers of Jesus, and we have several people who would not say they're followers of Jesus. I get that. For followers of Jesus, this is a lot easier. It's a lot easier for us because we believe Jesus is who he said he was. So it's easy for us to say, okay, if he says this is the ideal, even though I don't measure up, that's it. That's the truth. I believe him. But I, but I get that if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, that's a tougher pill to swallow. Because you're sitting here thinking, well, okay, Jesus said this stuff and he said this is the ideal. And, and we can prove that he said it. We get all that, but I don't know that Jesus is who he said he is. You know, I think he might have been a great teacher, but maybe not that great of a teacher, you know, or whatever, and you'll want to reject that. And so it'll be a little tougher pill, but here's what I'm saying. 
I'm telling you that God's principles, the, the ideals that Jesus taught for us to shoot for, those ideals will benefit your family whether you're Christian or not Christian. If you're not a follower of Christ, but you just decide, hey, I'm going to give this a few weeks and I'm going to put these ideal uh, standards in the Bible. I'm going to shoot for those just as kind of a family counseling thing, but, not, you know, but I'm still not embracing Christ. I'm telling you, just doing what Jesus said will help your family. It'll help your marriage. It'll help your parenting. It'll help your family, even if you're not a believer. But uh, here's the deal on that. You see, this may be the most, the biggest under, misunderstanding about Christianity that people have. You see, followers of Christ, they get there's this gap between God's ideal, God's righteous standard, and the real where we live. That's actually what the whole Bible is about. The whole Bible is there. The law is there to teach us God's righteous standard, that God is perfect, and this is what's right, and this is what's wrong. But he calls us to this right standard, and the fact that we can't measure up, that's the whole point of the Bible. So followers of Christ, again, this is the big misunderstanding. A lot of times people think that Christians think they're better than other people. No. The whole message of Christianity is that we're all the same people. We're, we all fall short. We've all sinned against God. We're all in the same boat. We all need outside help. Christians don't think they're better than other people. Big misunderstanding. Christians get we're all the same. The difference is Christians believe that Jesus came for a reason. So what the Bible teaches us in the law is that, yes, this is God's standard. And when we fall short, because of, it's, it's because we, we chafe at the standard. We don't, we're, we're selfish. We don't want to do the standard. We rebel against the standard. We want to do our own thing, what feels good to us, what, what we want. And that is wrong. And God calls what's wrong sin. And sin is what we do that's against God. What Christians understand is that we're all sinners, but Jesus came to deal with the tension and Jesus came to deal with the gap because he came and he said, hey, I'm God in flesh. He said he was God and he lived a perfect life. So Jesus is the only person that walked the planet that kept all of God's ideals. He lived life perfectly. He had a perfectly righteous life. And then, because of that, he was the only one qualified to deal with our sin. Because when we fall short, because God is also just, perfectly just, like we might expect God to be, God says sin has to be punished. When we do wrong things, there has to be a payday. Just like we would cry out for justice when somebody takes down the Twin Towers or anything else. We're screaming, justice, they need payback. That's not right. They... They have to be punished. Well, God's perfectly just. He says sin has to be punished. That's bad news for every single human being. We all get that. We're all in the same boat. But Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. That made him the only one qualified to deal with the gap between us and a perfect life. 
And then he died. He voluntarily allowed himself to be tortured to death in payment of our sin so that we would have a way of being forgiven without violating God's justice because our sin has been paid for. It's been dealt with. He took care of the gap. But the only way we get that, it's not automatic, we only get it through faith. And through faith means that you believe who Jesus is, the Son of God, And you trust in what he did dying on the cross for our sins and nothing else. So that's what it means to be a Christian. Putting your faith in Jesus, you believe who he is, and you place your trust that Jesus' death on the cross paid for your sins. And there's nothing else that could pay for your sins. So being a Christian, you don't become a Christian by being a good person. You don't become a Christian by being a great dad, a great wife, a great husband, a great... That's not doing good things, doing a bunch of churchy things. You don't become a Christian by even getting baptized or attending church. That's the result of what Christians do out of their gratitude that salvation is a free gift from God. So we're all here in the same boat. The only difference is there's two categories. Some of us have received God's gift of salvation that we don't deserve through faith. And some of us have not yet received God's gift of salvation that we don't deserve through faith. And you have this lifetime to kind of figure that out. So that's the whole message of the Bible really is dealing with the gap between the ideal and the deal. That's why we read verses like this, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All in the same boat. That's why we read Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did he do that? Because he loves us, every one of us, all of us, and he wants a relationship with us. That's the most important message. We call that the gospel, the good news that you'll ever, ever, ever hear. Now, so that's how Jesus deals with, with the tension, the gap between the ideal and the real where we live. Now, what I want to do is just touch on some of the basics of family, what God says is family. So just touch on what God says. Now, I'm not going to deal with this stuff because we have several more weeks to deal with it. But by way of introduction, it's only fair to throw it out there so you can see it, what's going on. Now, first of all, when we look at what God says what Jesus taught about ideal family and and ideal marriage and ideal parenting, all that stuff that we're going to be looking at for the next several weeks. The first thing we notice that's a little counterculture for us today is the Bible teaches us that men and women are different. We have a culture now that wants to say as much as possible that men and women are the same, but God's ideal really teaches us men and women are different. Different, And it's a little more than just our plumbing. God's saying we are different. And I'll give you an example of that. Uh, one difference, and we're, we're going to be talking about this for the next several weeks, so I'll just, I'll just give you an example. Um, for the man, one big difference is sex drive. Okay? So uh, a man's born, and then his sex drive peaks at 18 years old. So, peaks at 18 years old, then, so that's the peak. So then after that, 
the man's sex drive uh, lessens. It drops off. So here, here it drops off. And it drops off. <laughs> and it drops. And it drops. And it drops. And then he dies. So now, it's kind of the way it is. And, and that happens because of something in a man called testosterone that courses through a man. It's also in women, but mostly it's 20 times more in men. Courses through our veins. That affects men physically. And, and if, they don't, if they don't watch themselves, it will affect men mentally. As a matter of fact, this affects us mentally so much uh, that and if you knew how much this affected us, even mentally, you'd be more disgusted with us than you already are. <laughs> I'm just kind of telling you, that's, that's just the way that is. We're, we're different. Men and women are different. That's just one example. But, and we'll get into more of those in the future. The other thing is, when we kind of boil down everything the Bible says about marriage and family, it really gets amazingly simple. Simple in the ideal and the truth, challenging to, to put together, challenging to make it work. All right? So, and that's what we'll be talking about is how do you make this work? And there's one passage, there's several passages in the Bible, but there's one that kind of condenses it. And I would like to read that. Because it kind of gives us the ideal family condensed version. It's in Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 18. Here's what it says. Wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they will not lose heart. So that's basically... Four kernels of truth. Uh, we got them up here, I think, right up here. So first, wives, submit to your husbands. Second, husbands, love your wives. Third, children, obey your parents. And then fourth, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Now, here's my question. As you're looking at these, is there one of these that seems a little unfair or a little countercultural? Or a little like it, it just doesn't seem right. One of these, more than any other, sort of bugs at least half of the people that, that see it. All right? And, and it's, it's the first one. Wives, be subject to or submit to your husbands. Now, and we're going to talk about this in detail. Let me just give you an example. The last several weeks on Wednesday night, I've been doing premarital counseling class. So we have about a, a bunch of couples in there who are getting ready to get married. You know, maybe 20 people. Actually, it was right here in room one, when, last three Wednesday nights. And so we're talking about some of these issues. When we talked about this, the, for the wives part, one of the young ladies uh, who was in the class, who's been coming to Grace for a little while, here's what she said to the whole class. And I don't remember the exact quote, so bear with me. But she basically said this. I've heard about this rule, and I've never liked it. But since we went through it, 
and you explain this, it makes perfect sense. I get it. And, and what she was saying was, this is not offensive like I thought it was offensive. Now, please hear what I'm saying. She didn't say that because when we taught about it, we ratcheted down the ideal. That, that's not why she said that. She said that because we explained why God would set an ideal like this and how that plays out in our life. Does that make sense? So here, here's what I'm telling you. I know some of this stuff is countercultural. It has always been that way. I'm not as educated as, as some of the people in this room, but I have had like four, four or five years of graduate school, two master's degrees. One of those degrees is in counseling. Here's what I'm telling you. After a graduate degree in counseling and counseling people and couples for over 25 years, here's what I'm saying. If you will take the challenge and put God's ideal standards in your life and strive for them, none of us do these perfectly, but if you'll just make that your goal, I'm telling you, your families, your marriages, your parenting, all that will benefit. And get this, and that I believe I've seen is true whether you're a Christian or even if you're not a Christian. If you put these principles to work at your life, that we will be learning about the how-tos of these principles. When you do that, it will benefit your family. And, and that only makes sense if you have a worldview like we do, that God made us, and that's the owner's manual, so it would get that he would know how to do this best. So the challenge is, come back over the next few weeks and hang with us. We'll try to make it as less painful as possible, but you know, hang with us as we discover together what God's ideal is and strategies for getting closer and closer to God's ideal because to the extent that we do that, our families will benefit. That makes sense? Uh, that's what I was afraid of. You know, <laughs> does that make sense? Yes. Much better. All right, so Glad you're with us. A couple things we're, we're going to dismiss in just a moment. A couple things that I want you to think about, and that is, um, if you're in this, if you're in here right now, we actually have a class called 101 class. It's kind of our basic class, uh, teaches you about uh, Grace Community Church, and it also gives you a free Subway lunch. So, if if some of you have been considering 101 class, it just meets one time. It actually starts in about 13 minutes in the quad. And even if you didn't sign up, but you were thinking about it, but you forgot to sign up, we ordered extra stuff. So I'm just saying, even if you didn't sign up, you're welcome to sit in on our 101 class right there in the quad. Uh, we will have a lunch for you and uh, it, we'd love to have you. Second, this Friday, do you enjoy our music here at Grace? Yeah, it's great. If you enjoy that, if you enjoy singing praises to our Savior, Friday night, we're having a concert at 7 o'clock. It's our people doing the concert. Uh, and, and I think, like I say, if you enjoy singing praises uh, to our Savior, you're going to love being here. So we want to invite you to that. And then the third thing is that today, 
is our, our open house and our, our kind of grand opening. So please feel free, and we've done this a few times in the past, but it's been a little more closed down because we've been painting lines and stuff. You're all invited to go walk through the new building, uh, check out. You can go up on the mezzanine, check that out. Uh, you're just invited to go anywhere you want in there. Check out the kitchen if you want, the two, the two big youth rooms, middle school and senior high. There's a cafe in there. Just check it all out, okay? You got free access. That makes sense? Just want you to know that. And we're going to stand and close in prayer. You know, I was, I was sharing the good news about what Christ has done for us a few minutes ago. And if that's something that you would like to talk to somebody about, uh, you can go back to room one and, and I'll be there and some of our other pastors will be hanging out and we'll be able to answer any questions. If you would kind of like some more information but you don't want to talk to anybody, come on in. Just say, hey, I don't want to talk to anybody. Do you have a little booklet or something? We'll give you just a little booklet for you to check out. Uh, we won't capture you or make you stay in there or anything like that. Just say, hey, I'm looking for a booklet. We'll hand you one. You just don't even break stride. Just keep on moving <laughs> right through the room. That's okay. All right, let's, let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you that you have told us the secret. You've told us how to do family, how to do marriage, how to do parenting. Lord, you've given us all that. Lord, we... We pray that you'd help us to understand it and apply it to our lives over the next several weeks. God, we, we thank you for loving us, even that you would give us that standard. And Father, we know that there's uh, people here who are followers of Jesus. And Father, we, we pray that you'd help us to draw closer to you by, by holding your ideals up and not ever yielding to the temptation to chuck them and just kind of settle for where we're at. And Lord, we also realize there are people who are not followers of Jesus. Father, First of all, we're glad that, that everyone's here, we're glad that they're here, and, uh, and Father, we pray that uh, as we go through these principles over the next several weeks, that they will benefit and their families will benefit, and that maybe also, Lord, you'd use it uh, to just draw them closer to you. God, thanks for loving us. Lord, thanks, thanks for grace, and thanks for how you've blessed our church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Have a great day. Thank you. You're dismissed.